0: Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, good morning, Generations Church. How are we doing? Good? Come on, it's spring break week. If you're a parent, you know you got got your kids all week. Am I right? You're like, what are we going to do Monday through Friday so they don't drive us crazy? Am I right? Come on, parents of elementary kids, students, you know it's like, what's up? what program can we put them in for a week? Well, we're glad that you are here at Generations Church. We believe that there's no greater place that you can be right now than right here. And so we're glad that you are here. If I had not had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Pastor Aaron. I am the associate pastor here at Generations Church um, and I would love the opportunity to meet you after service in the lobby, just to meet you, find out more about you, how you heard about us, uh, and how you, and let you know how you can get better connected here at Generations Church as well. I know the announcement video hit on a lot of great things coming up this week because it is Easter week, it is Holy Week. Are you excited about Easter? All right. Um, and, and it hit on a lot of great things, but I want to reemphasize some of those this Friday. Is our Good Friday service at 7 p.m. here in the worship center. The worship center is going to look a little bit different. We're going to have round tables. You'll come in, uh, take a seat, and we're going to have a time of worship. Uh, We're going to have some scripture read and uh, some messages presented, but then we'll also have a time of communion together. Uh, It's called Come To the table. It's one of my favorite events and favorite times of the year. So be there this Friday at 7 p.m. You can go to the website or the church center app to register and save your seats. Now, if you don't register and you forget to register, you can still come. But we it just helps us get an idea of how many people might be in the building so we can better prepare for you. So that's Friday, 7 p.m. here at Generations Church. And then Sunday, April 9th is Easter, and we started off with a 7 a.m. sunrise service. Some of y'all probably wake up at 7 a.m., um, and, and that's early for you, but we're having a sunrise service Sunday, April 9th. Right out on the lawn is gonna be an incredible time. And then at 9 and 10.30 are our identical services celebrating Easter. If you come to both, they are going to be different services. So 7 a.m. is different than the 9 and 10.30, just to let y'all know. So pick pick a service, 9 or 10.30, and we would love for you to be there at 7 a.m. for our sunrise service. There is something about a sunrise service, am I right? There, it's powerful, man. It's It's amazing. So we would love for you to be there For that, You can leave after that, go get you some breakfast, go spend time with the family, and then come back for 9 or 10.30. It's gonna be a great time. G Kids has a great day planned for next Sunday, so you won't wanna miss Easter at Generations Church. But today, I am so excited to bring the message and excited to bring the word this morning. We have been in this incredible sermon series over the past two weeks, and this is part three, uh, called Journey to the Cross, And Pastor Jeremy, our lead pastor, has done an incredible job over the past two weeks just bringing God's word and and diving into uh, this topic of journeying to the cross as we lead up to Easter. And if you didn't hear those messages and you haven't gone back and listened to those, I just wanna encourage you, go to our podcast, go to our YouTube channel, go to our Facebook page, go to our website uh, to listen to those. They truly were incredible. Part one was called the Christ of the cross, Part two was called The Crimes of the Cross. And today, we're gonna conclude our series, Journey to the Cross, with talking about the crowds of the cross, the crowds of the cross. So this morning, if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, turn to Matthew 21, 1 through 11. And we're gonna read the story of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Today, if you did not know, it's called Palm Sunday, and the reason it's called Palm Sunday is because of this story that we're gonna read today, and it's found in the other gospels, the other three gospels, but we're gonna look at Matthew's, Matthew's uh, and, uh, story of it. So Matthew 21, one through 11, and I'm reading out of the NIV version today. It says this. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. And on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them to do. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And, G- and the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So, here in this story today, as we read Matthew 21, 1 through 11, Uh, Jesus is entering Jerusalem, and he sends two of his disciples ahead of him to go get a donkey and and the colt of a donkey for Jesus to ride on. Now, This is an interesting picture as we picture Jesus right now. I feel like this is an interesting picture we picture if anybody rides a donkey, am I right? That's a sight to see. Like I'm taking a photo and sending it to some people. But here we see Jesus sending two of his disciples to go ahead of them, get a donkey and a colt for him to ride on into Jerusalem. And this takes place to fulfill the prophecy that was spoken in the Old Testament that we find in Zechariah 9 9, where it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this was this was prophesied in the Old Testament, and it is coming true right before the people's eyes as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. On this foal and donkey as he's going into Jerusalem. As we read this story and we compare it to the other accounts that we find in the gospels in the Bible, we see that there's three types of crowds around Jesus at this time. So three types of crowds around the cross. The first, cro- first crowd that we see are those worshiping Jesus, those worshiping Jesus. So as Jesus is entering Jerusalem, the first crowd that we encounter is the crowd worshiping Jesus. They're they are laying palm branches down as Jesus is entering. They're, they're taking off their cloaks and laying them down on the road. And palm branches uh, were often used as a celebration of victory. And that's what they represented, the celebration of victory. In King David's time, uh, they, they were used to honor royalty. Uh, And so here you have this picture of people laying down palm branches and honoring royalty, honoring the king of kings. and, And it's this celebration of victory. And then they laid down their cloaks on the ground. And it was more than just this act of honor. And praise and declaration of victory. This was also an acknowledgement and a declaration that Jesus was the King of Kings, the name above all names. He was the promised Messiah. So they lay down palm branches and their cloaks on the ground. And then they don't just stop there, they start shouting praises unto Jesus' name, saying, Hosanna. Uh, Hosanna is to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. And as I was reading that this week and, and, and looking back over this story that I've read hundreds and hundreds of times, that word Hosanna really stuck out to me, and I, and, I, and I had to do some research on it. So I'm, I'm, I'm on Google, and I'm just, you know, I'm, going, I'm doing a deep dive right now on Google it. And, and so as I'm Googling it and getting different definitions and different interpretations, uh, this one really stuck out to me. And it says this, that Hosanna is this cry for rescue, but then this declaration of praise, So as they were singing and shouting Hosanna, they were declaring this this praise and worship and honor towards Jesus. But I love that it also was this cry for rescue, cry for, for Jesus to save them from their sins and save them and rescue them. And they thought it was going to be from, from the government. That's what they. a lot of people thought, that he was going to save them from the government. But it was so much more than that. And so as they're singing and shouting Hosanna, they're declaring praise and declaring victory as they lay palm branches in their cloak sound. But it's also this cry of rescue. And I love how that is described, and that's what worship is all about today. That's what we've been doing this morning, proclaiming the goodness of God, singing about how great he is to us, uh, and, and praising his name that is above all names. But then it's also, at the same time as that, this cry of prayer, this cry of rescue, this desperation for him to come and move in our lives. So the first group we see are those worshiping Jesus. The second group we see are those watching Jesus, those just observing, those just spectating what's going on. In Matthew 21, 10 through 11, it says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred and asked, who is this? Can you imagine Jesus walking into Canton? Like, There'd be so many people that are like, "What is going on?" and 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 you see this play out like I don't know where we find palm branches, but we'll find them, I guess. Somebody's house has a lot of palm branches. I don't know whose it is, but if people are laying tree branches down, and they're laying cloaks on the ground, and they're shouting praises. If Jesus walked in the can, every, there'd be some people who are like, "Who is this? Like, what's going on?" So there is a crowd that that is asking this, like, "Who is this?" And the crowd answered. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So here we have the spectators of Jesus. They, they may not know who Jesus is, or uh, in, a lot of, uh, in a lot of circumstances in this time, they, they've heard about his miracles, and they've heard about what he has done, and they've heard whispers, and they've heard stories. So they have some kind of idea, but they don't know him. But they're watching with wonder, they're watching with wonder. That is one of my favorite things to do at the mall or any store that I go on is to just, you know, just kind of watch people with wonder, not judgment, let's be honest, like not judgment, I'm just watching with wonder. Anybody else love that? Come on, be honest today, you, yes, we, we just just watch with wonder. Okay, sounds good. Uh, and so this is what we find the people doing, they're watching with wonder, they're, they're wondering what it, who this is that people are laying these palm branches down and laying their cloaks down and, and, and shouting praises unto him. They're, they're, they're wondering, like, what is it about him? They're wondering what's going on. And these people are a part of the crowd praising Jesus, but they're not praising Jesus. So they're a part of the crowd, they're around the crowd, but they're not praising Jesus in the self, they're just they're just spectating. They're just watching with wonder, and it reminds me of a lot of uh, of, of a lot of people uh, in the church today. Not our physical church, but churches all around the world. Not saying you know specifically our church, but churches everywhere. There's a lot of people in church that they're just kind of they're just kind of spectating. They're just kind of watching, just kind of observing. What's going on? They're not bad people. They're not, they may not be doing anything morally wrong, and they may live a good moral life. But when it comes to praising and worshiping the King of Kings and the name that is above all names, the 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 God who who loves us enough to send his son to die on the cross for us, Jesus Christ, and and instead of worshiping and praising, they just kind of sit and kind of watch in a pew or sit in a chair and just kind of watch and observe. That's, the kind, uh, uh, that's, that's kind of how their relationship with God is as well. Sunday morning, kind of church only, but they, but they are around Jesus. They're around the presence of God. They're around people singing and worshiping and honoring and bowing down to God. They're around that, but they're, but they're not a part of it. They're just kind of spectating in in the crowd and that's what we see with the second crowd around Jesus so the first crowd we see is those worshiping Jesus the second crowd that we see are those watching Jesus and the third crowd we see are those opposing Jesus those that are coming against Jesus and in Luke account Luke's account uh, in the gospel of Luke uh, it, it shows some interaction with, with some of the Pharisees, some Pharisees, some Jewish religious leaders, uh, and it shows some contention between between the two when all this is going on. And in Luke 19, 39 through 40, it says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're, they're saying, teacher, like, Rebuke them for what they're doing. They shouldn't be shouting praises unto you. They know better. They, they, they can't shout praises unto you. They can only shout praises to God. And, and these Pharisees are saying, rebuke your disciples. And I love Jesus's response here. It is incredible. It says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will crowd. Have you ever been to a place where you, you may not have the words verbally to praise God, but it feels like your, your insides are crying out, your heart's crying out, and, and your mind is crying. You're, you're crying out on the inside to God. And, and this, is, this is what he's saying. If, if they keep quiet, the, the earth will cry out to me. The last type of crowd we see are those opposed to Jesus these were mostly Jewish political leaders and uh, some of the Pharisees that were upset with the way Jesus entered the city, how he didn't tell his disciples to rebuke, him, rebu- uh, to rebuke his disciples, how he didn't rebuke his disciples and tell them to keep quiet because they were praising him. And these are the same people that later on, uh, they, they crucified Jesus. And this type of crowd is still evident today and we see it all the time this type of crowd that opposes God, that opposes the word of God, that opposes the truth of God, that opposes the church, that opposes prayer and opposes worship in a crowd that opposes the, the son of God that uh, so loved the world that he gave his life for. And, and we see that evident today. And most likely, if we're honest, if we're, we're, we're probably not a part of this crowd. If you're in the room today, you're, you're most likely not an opposer of Jesus. Uh, and you're most likely not like verbally shouting against the word of God and saying, we don't want prayer. We don't want worship. Like you shouldn't go to church. Like I rebuke, you know, rebuke the praises unto God. Like most likely that's not you, I would assume, but do our actions oppose God? Do our actions oppose the word of God? Do, does how we live our lives oppose the word of God? Is the way that we treat others oppose the word of God? Is, does how we pray for our enemies and treat our enemies oppose the word of God? Does how we, how we live oppose his word? So with seeing these three types of crowds, those worshiping Jesus, those watching Jesus, those opposing Jesus, how can we be the worshipers around the cross? How can we be the worshipers of God that shouts praises unto him and worships him and praises him and honors him and, and, and sings victory of him and how, what he's done for us? How can we be the worshipers around the cross? We can be the worshipers around the cross when we realize who Jesus is, when we realize who he is. So who is Jesus? And Pastor Jeremy has done a phenomenal job over the past two weeks explaining some some of that of who Jesus is, so I'm not gonna dive into the weeds of all these, but Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. According to the Bible, son of God means he is fully God, and he is one of the three persons who together make up the one God. This concept is called the Trinity. And religious leaders of Jesus' time understood this concept. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. In John 3.16, a verse that we've heard over and over if you've been in church, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his one and only son. Jesus is the son of God that God sent to this earth for us. He's also the son of man. At the same time as being fully God, he was also fully God human, born of the Virgin Mary. In Hebrews 2, 14, it says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Jesus had a human body. I'll just let you, just like you and me. Jesus, it may not look like me, but Jesus had a human body. He had a human mind. He had a human soul and he had emotions. He was 100% man, but he was also 100% God, uniquely blended together and his name was Jesus. Jesus was the son of man. He was the son of God. But then also, as we've seen earlier, he was the fulfillment of God's promise over and over in the New Testament We see the promise of the Messiah. If you read through the Old Testament, you see over and over this promise of one day that God is going to send someone to reconcile uh, 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 us in relationship with him, that he's gonna send a savior, that he's gonna send the Messiah. We saw it in Zechariah earlier this morning and we see it throughout the Old Testament. Uh, You see the promises and promise uh, of God that he would rescue his people in Jesus' Was the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus was the fulfillment of what God had promised years and years and years before Jesus even got there. So when we realize who Jesus is and how God so loved us that he sent his one and only son for us, there's no other choice but to worship and praise him, to give honor to him, out of honor for him and out of adoration for him and out of thankfulness for what he has done for us, how is our response not to worship? And how is our response not not to praise him? How is our response not to honor him? How is our response not to cry out to him? When we know who he is and realize who he is and who he is to us, it should move us to worship and praise him. And then when you add on top of all that what he has done for you, what, what he has brought you through, how he's taken you from death to life how he's forgiven your sins and how he's brought you out of some very very difficult circumstances how how he's brought you comfort and joy and strength in difficult times how is our response not to worship and praise him that's the only response that i can even think of is to honor and praise him because like i said earlier every good and perfect gift comes from him so if everything comes from him Man, we, our response is to worship and our response is to praise and to shout Hosanna and declare his name that is above all names. So when we realize who he is, it should move us to worship him. Another way we can be the worshipers around the cross is when you reorganize your priorities. Reorganize your priorities. Oftentimes, what I've found with a lot of people in church and a lot of believers today is they don't have this faith issue. They don't have an issue with believing in God. They have a priorities issue. They have a priorities issue, meaning they believe in God. They believe that he is the one true God and he sent his son to die on the cross for him. They believe that. They have faith in that. They have faith that there is a God. They have a priorities issue that is, that is out of order, They've let the busyness of life and the desires of the things of this world and the issues that they're facing and the circumstances that they are walking through keep them from a relationship with God and keep them from going deeper in their relationship with God. Keep them from worshiping and praising God. Don't get me wrong. I completely understand that life is is busy. I feel like right now more than ever in my life, I understand that life is busy. With a wife and three kids that are three and under, like, I understand life is busy. Like, I I look back to my days in college and not married and not ha- not having any kids, and I'm like, how did I think that I was busy? Anybody look back and like, how in the world was I busy during that time? What Was I delusional? Like, I don't, it's chaos right now. So I understand life is busy and I'm sure my wife is gonna say amen to that. Our lives are busy and all of our lives are. Maybe they're not just busy with time, but maybe they're busy in our mind. We got a million little things going on or we got doubts or we got worries or we got stress or we got things that we know we have to do that are constantly going through our, through our mind. So I understand that life is busy, and don't get me wrong. Like I want to achieve things, and I want I want possessions as well. And it's easy to get distracted uh, with with a lot of things, and and we face difficult difficult circumstances. We face some situations that. They're, our spouse may not even know that we're going through or facing. We face things that are unimaginable, that, that truly God only knows what we're going through, whether it be in our lives, exterior, or physically, or mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that God only knows what we're going through. We, we face some difficult, difficult situations and circumstances. I understand these things, but our highest priority in our lives should be our relationship With God in all that we do, in all that we say, in how we organize our life, everything that we do should flow out of our relationship with God. It should be the first thing that we think about and the first thing that we prioritize in our life, in in how we organize our life and live our lives, should be centered around the Word of God and centered around our relationship with God. We wake up with millions and millions of things on our mind rather than seeking after God and praising him for his goodness. We go throughout our day without stopping to just honor and praise him for another day of life, for another breath. Of, of air in our lungs, we 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 go throughout a, a week without stopping for a minute to just honor and worship Him because we're too focused and worried and busy in in our lives. And what happens is we miss out on all that God has for us. We miss out on what He wants to do in our lives. What He wants to do in your families' lives because of it. Our original purpose that we were created for was a relationship with God. But we choose to prioritize so many different things over that relationship. And so often we go Sunday to Sunday without spending one minute with him. And then then we go to church and we Go, go to, you sit in a service for an hour, and then it's like, man, let's get home and nap. Am I right? That's the first thing you think about as soon as you're except for food. Maybe it's Mexican food. That's me. That's what I think about. But then it's like nap time, and, and then you do it all over. You go the next Sunday, and you do the same thing, and you don't spend one minute with declaring his praise. The worshipers in the story of Jesus' entry to the Jerusalem were hungry for God they were hungry for God. Have you ever been hungry? Like physically hungry? Like like just starving for food and 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 have you ever been desperate for something? And these people in this in the scripture, the the crowd around him worshiping Jesus, they were desperate for him. They were desperate for him to save them and rescue them. That's why I love the scripture in Hosanna, uh, the the word Hosanna and the definition, because it was this cry for rescue and cry uh, for for him to save them from, from their difficult circumstances and save them. But it was also this declaration of praise. They cried out for him. When was the last time, Man, you just stopped your life and you cried out for God that you cried out for for more of him, that you cried out for him to move in your life and you cried out for his presence and you cried out for rescue if you're going through something. You cried out in praise and in honor to him. When was the last time you just got away and paused your day and said, God, I give you the glory, I give you the honor. God, thank you for this day, thank you for this time, thank you for this breath that I'm able to breathe, thank you for my job, thank you for my family and just honored him and praised him. Let us organize our lives in a way that makes more room for Jesus than we make for Netflix and social media. Let's let's organize our lives in a way that makes more room for Jesus than anything else going on in our life. Let us organize our lives in a way that makes more room for Jesus than just making it through each day. And, and for me, right now, it's 8 at eight p.m. when the kids go to bed. If I could just make it to 8 p.m., man, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be quiet around here. Let us organize our lives in a way that, 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 that makes more room for Jesus than just making it through each day. Parents, we have, and grandparents as well, we have this responsibility to make room for Jesus in our kids' lives, in our grandkids' lives. It's, it's this heavy burden, Am I right it 's this heavy burden that we want our kids to know the love of God. we want our kids to live a good life and and stay on a morally good path, but we also want our kids to experience the goodness and presence of God. Parents, let us organize. Our family's lives, where we make more room for Jesus than anything else. Let us organize our family's lives where we make more room for Jesus than any sports game or any extracurricular activity or any friend time that they have or any video game time they have. Let us organize our family's lives to make more room for Jesus because we want God to move in their life and we want them to be impacted by the word and we want them to have a relationship with God, but we have to make room for him in their lives. Let us organize our lives in that way. When we reorganize our priorities, it moves us to worship him like the people did as Jesus entered Jerusalem. As we make more room for Jesus and we, we put him at the highest priority, there's no other response than to worship and praise him. Another way and the last way we can be the worshipers around the cross is we remember, when we remember the why of the cross. Remember the why of the cross, why Jesus had to go up upon the cross, why the cross was even uh, necessary. In, in the Bible, it says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have short. I have fallen short, I have sinned, you have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. God created man and earth perfect, but when Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command, he had to punish them. And in Romans six twenty three, it says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death because of our sin. Because of the sin of humankind, we deserve to be separated from God. We deserve to be separated from God in hell. We deserve this eternal punishment. But God, in His love for you and His love for me, didn't leave us without this hope of reconciliation, he promised that he would send the Messiah, that he would send the Savior that would defeat the enemy so that we could be reconciled with him. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, God made him, Christ, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God in him. In Romans 5, 6 through 8, one of my favorite scriptures, it says, you see, at just the right time, at just the right time, I love that, when we're still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will will anyone die for a righteous person, though a good person, uh, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his great and mighty, powerful love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you thankful today for God that so loved you, that so cared for you, that even when you turned your back on him, even when that you were lost in sin, even when you focused on anything else but God and you turned away from him, even when you found yourself desperate and in despair, that God so loved you that he sent Jesus, the son of God, the son of man, the fulfillment of of, of his promises, he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be reconciled with him. Aren't you thankful today? Aren't you thankful that he loves you? I don't need I don't know if you're in this room and you don't feel love, but God loves you. God cares you for you enough to send his one and only son to die on the cross for you. I'm so thankful God loves me enough to send his son to die on the cross for me. I'm so thankful in the in the depths of my sin, in the darkest times of my life, that God so loved me that he cared for me, that he sent his son to die on the cross for me. There's no there's no other option for me than to praise and to worship him. There's no other option for me to give honor to him because I don't deserve it. I still don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But God so loved us that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. God so loves you. He was thinking about you. When he sent his son to die on the cross, he thought about you. He thought about you and he sent his son anyways, his only son he sent to die on the cross for you. So this is the why of the cross, because God loves us. Because of God's love, he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us. Because we are a sinful people, we needed God to send a savior to this earth to live a perfect life, to die on a cross so that we can be reconciled in relationship with him. And I'm so thankful today that he did. I'm so thankful today that he cared enough and loved us enough to do that. So when we remember the why of the cross, it moves us to worship him like the people did as Jesus entered Jerusalem. There's no other response than to worship him. So today, as, as I close and as we close, My hope for you today is that today's message challenges you to move from wherever you are right now in your relationship with God. It can be so far away from God. You can feel so close to God or anywhere in between. Wherever you are right now in your relationship with God to a deeper place with God a deeper place in your worship, a deeper place in your honor to him, a deeper place in your in the time that you spend with him, a deeper place in your relationship with him where each day and throughout each day you can come to a place where you worship God like the worshipers did on the day Jesus Enter Jerusalem, that you can lay down your needs. You can you can cry out to him, you can give honor to him and get praise to him and shout victory because of what he's done. That you can that you can give time to him. We can be the worshipers around the cross when we realize who he is. Reorganize our priorities and remember the why of the cross. Let's pray today. Today, if there's someone in this room that would say, I'm so far away from God. I'm so far away from, from God. And I need the Savior of the world to come into my heart so that I can be reconciled with Him. I, I need forgiveness. I'm so deep in sin and I need God's love to forgive me. If that is you today, would you just lift up your hand? Amen. Today, as well, if you would say, I just, I just need to reorganize my life in a better way. I need to prioritize my time with God in a better way that, that puts him at the highest priority of my life. And I need more of God. I need more of his presence. I need I need each and every day to, to to go to a place where I can just worship him and honor him and I just need to do better at that. If that is you, would you just lift your hand as well. Amen. My hands lifted as well. God we thank you today. God we worship you today. God because who you are, God what you've done for us, because you sent your son to die on the cross for us, God, because you love us. God, we give you honor. God, we give you praise today. God, we worship you. God, that you are the name, God, above all names, God. And today, God, God, we, we worship you. But God, also today, God, we cry out to you. God, we need you. God, we need you in our lives. There's people in this room that there's some unimaginable things that they're facing and going through, and God, they need you today. And God, so today, I pray, God, that you move in their lives today. God, our world needs you today. Nashville, Tennessee needs you today. Our schools need you today. Our kids need you today. God, our our, our coworkers need you today, God. Our community needs you today. God, we need you. God, so God, we cry out to you, God. We cry out for you to move in our lives today. God, we worship And we honor you, God. God, we love you and praise you and give you the glory. Everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.